Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. At two and a half years of age, little Xander is attempting to make the jump from naps to no naps. But so far, this big boy transition has been anything but peaceful. I always get a game here. Oh, well, not this time. What? You said we had plenty of money. Did you hear my screaming? I think the whole team did. Oh, man. It was just so... Oh, amazing job, really, Warren. I've never seen you play like that. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Struggle is Real, a modern parenting podcast by Family Bridges. Thanks for joining us. I'm Veronica Avila, and along with me is Dr. Alicia Laos. Hi, Veronica. How are you today? I'm doing well, and I'm happy because today we have a guest host. Omar is still on vacation, so today joining us is Freddie Beckley, one of our directors of our theater production at Family Bridges. He's a writer, a producer. Welcome, Freddie. Hello. I'm so happy to be here, and a little nervous, maybe, because I think I'm actually acting in one of these sketches, so Ooh. It's going to be very surreal for me, but I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Now, today's topic is for new parents. I know that you're a new parent, Freddie. Yeah, that's so. absolutely true. We have our three-month-year-old. Guess what her name is? Um, Freddie. Ah. <laughs> Keep it simple. She's adorable. Thanks. She is. She's so cute. I saw some pictures with her little dresses this week, and she mm. is adorable. Yeah, we like to get dressed up. That's mm. fun. So, get ready to take notes. Okay. All right. This one's called Play by Play. Of a child's brain. Oh, Lord, I'm looking forward to it. Now, via phone, we have our special guest, Dr. Cheryl G. Ziegler. She is a doctor of psychology. She's the founder and operator of the Child and Family Therapy Center at Lowry. We're so glad to have you. Welcome, Dr. Cheryl Ziegler. Thanks for having me. Joining us all the way from beautiful Colorado. Mm hmm. Jealous. Now, do you all follow a daily routine? This is a question for everyone. Do you follow a daily routine? No. I do. Yeah? To a certain extent. I mean, my work varies, but there's a little bit of some routine in the morning and in the evening. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs structure, right? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this a lot today, actually, in, in the shower, because that's like the one thing I do every day. Like I mentioned earlier, I have a three-month-old, and mm -hmm. I can already see how having a child is beginning to inform my days and make me require a structure. Like, mm -hmm. I have to go to bed more or less within the hour and get up more or less in time to change my daughter and like have some time with her in the morning. So I wouldn't say I had a structure other than just grabbing a cup of coffee before work. But now um, with a little one here, I can see that that structure is taking hold. You know, you're saying that, and I do recall that that was a change. Kids, like, mm -hmm. make you have a schedule because, you know, before <laughs> them, you just kind of could get away with just, <laughs> but not anymore with kids. You have to. You can't just pick up and go. <laughs> yeah. No, right? no. More complicated. That's Would for sure. Wouldn't you agree, Dr. Ziegler? I would. I think that babies in particular make a lot of changes to people's lives. And one of them is certainly your life starts to revolve around the feeding and napping schedule. And so that starts to structure the whole day, including even adult bedtimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, believe it or not, kids, babies also have a routine that they do follow. Mm -hmm. Now, let's listen to our first sketch and you're going to see what I'm talking about. This is called Monday Night Toddler. Hello, welcome back. I'm John Tingle, and with me, as always, for the play-by-play -play of a toddler's brain is, of course, Gil Tweedums. Thanks, John. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, it is 5 o'clock Wednesday evening at the Bryant residence. That's 10, count them, 10 hours little Xander has been awake without his nap. That's right, Gil. At two and a half years of age, little Xander is attempting to make the jump from naps to no naps, but so far, this big boy 
transition has been anything but peaceful. You can say that again, John. At present, Xander is playing with his favorite fire truck, and as you can see, the pleasure from this activity is releasing mild amounts of serotonin into his brain. However, I have to stress that these are mild amounts. Several times today, it seems Xander was just on the verge of a tantrum, and any second now, we're expecting to see some big fireworks. Oh, I have to interrupt you there, Gelp. It appears that Xander's mother has re-entered the room with what appears to be a bottle of hand sanitizer. Washing hands is always a good idea, John. It limits the intake of harmful bacteria that a toddler's immune system may not yet be equipped to handle. Even so, it seems Xander is not liking this hand sanitizer. He's now walking away from his mother across the living room to the couch, to the ottoman, faster now, to the table, almost to the bookcase. As you can see, John, the amount of cortisol, i.e. the stress hormone, being conveyed to Xander's brain is decreasing rapidly, and his left hemisphere here is becoming more stimulated. It's almost as if the bottle of hand sanitizer has offended him so deeply, it's triggered a primal fight-or-flight reflex. To him, the stakes of this exchange couldn't be higher. Meanwhile, his mother, Sarah, is hot on his tail. She's at the bookcase, the kitchen, the kitchen stools, Xander's at the doorway. He's got nowhere to go, and... Oh! Sarah's got him! She's picked him up, she is squirting sanitizer on his hands, and she is rubbing them together vigorously. And Xander is fighting her every step of the way, screaming and crying his little lungs out. You gotta be wondering, John, what's going through his mother's mind right now? Does she regret not forcing Xander to take his nap today? I'm sure a lot of things are going through her mind right now, Gil. And there goes Xander, full tantrum mode now. Red face, tears streaming. He's standing up with his butt in the air, his head leaning against the wall. He did not want to wash his hands. This could take a while. An opportunity then for a quick word from our sponsor. We'll be right back with our play-by-play of the toddler brain as these exciting events continue to unfold. Okay, I, so I have to I have to confess something. Uh, I wrote I wrote that that sketch, mm-hmm. but there was no writing involved. My sister's name is Sarah. My three year old nephew's name is Xander. And when they came to visit us for Easter, we we were col- we were coloring Easter eggs, and it was time to wash his hands. And he didn't want to wash his hands. It just offended him so much that he just stood in the corner with his head against the wall, and he was trying to get through the day without a nap. So I know they're going to listen to this at home. I just have to give them the kudos. That's real. That that's really what inspiration. Yep. It's true. The struggle is real. It's real every day. That poor baby. Now, as you see, we all need a routine, right? So he mm-hmm. missed his, uh, his uh, nap. He went 10 hours without sleep. <laughs> and that's obviously driving him up the walls. And so is his mom now. What's going on, doctor? I feel mine? so sorry for the mom to, to, to <laughs> <laughs> When your kids don't sleep, man, you're the one that feels it. There's a saying out there that says, you know, that neurons that fire together, they wire together. So, you know, kids need that habit and mm-hmm. they get habituated. And when they don't have that control and predictability, they get more irritated. When things are standardized, it does provide a sense of balance mm-hmm. and just well-being and, and everybody is happier in the home. And then you add to it lack of sleep. We all know what happened with yeah. people and lack of sleep. Yes. Um, we know a lot of adults that we just want to put them to bed <laughs> because they get irritated and, and kids as well. It's just so important. Sleep is such an important part of of improving our mood and the development of children. So 
kudos to the creative team, though, for playing it out. I could just feel a lot of parents hearing the skit and just resonating with so much of it in a very fun way. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure <laughs> and a lot of fun. <laughs> now, you know, she needs a nap when, whenever you, you that she's already used to the naps. Make sure she takes a nap, even if she doesn't want to. Oh, you're talking about my baby Freddy? Your baby Freddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she sleeps. Um, oh, my goodness. Speaking of which, though, Dr. Cheryl, how are children's brains wired? And as parents, how can we prepare ahead of time to avoid the hiccups like we heard in this scenario? So I think if we're really focusing on a toddler, you think about a two-year-old's brain just being a sponge, right? So it's wired for whatever it practices. Mm -hmm. So it's open and whatever's happening, whether those are healthy eating habits or those are good sleep routines, is what it will wire to and it will get used to it. And so there are those times where your child is on a really good schedule and you have to break it for some reason and they really just can't tolerate it. And part of that reason is because that's how they actually get wired and how the pruning process works, what doesn't get wired, is through repetition. So during mm -hmm. these stages, it's particularly zero to five, but really honing in on zero to three as being the foundation, the things that you want to see happening in your child, you really need to have thousands and it becomes hundreds of thousands of repetitions mm -hmm. during that zero to three time so that... When they're older, they're wired for that, and they are more flexible when maybe they do lose some sleep or that day you didn't have the healthiest of food or whatever it might be. That is a break from their routine. So that's one of the things I think for parents to really keep in mind is their brains are ready to be wired, but at two years old, there's so much that still needs to happen and connect, and so that's where we play a part. Dr. Cheryl, just a quick question. One of the things that we've experienced in changes is when there's a time change mm -hmm. or you know vacation or holiday time, it's so challenging for parents that perhaps have established a sense of routine and control and then they got it out of that um, for some reason. <laughs> You're then freaking it's out. so hard to get them back. Any tips you could provide parents in just helping them navigate that sense of routine when they're outside of, of the home, for example? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I really study sleep a lot because when you work with young kids, sleeping and eating are just so much of the foundation of their mental health. Mm -hmm. So in terms of sleep, what sleep experts will say is when there is a time change or you're traveling out of your time zone, that you should actually stick to your own time zone or your original bedtime. And I know that that's very hard, but it is doable. So I know for me personally, the first time I had, uh, I think she was about 17 or 18 months old, my first daughter, we went to Costa Rica and so it was going to be a time difference. And I talked about it with the pediatrician and she said, just try it. Just keep her on Mountain Standard Time while you're there. And really, she did do much better. So I think if you can do that with intention, so it's the same thing with the clocks forward or the clocks back. If you can try to stick to about the same time, eventually their bodies will have a better adjustment to it rather than the first night that it's still light out mm -hmm. and you're trying to get them to go to sleep um, mm -hmm. or vice versa. So. Yeah. I've taken my tips from some of the sleep experts, and I've found that it works with my clients and also with me personally. Yeah, good tip. I know I try to slowly get them back to bed 15 minutes at a time mm -hmm. instead of like the whole hour. Another quick question is, like, how much sleep should a toddler or a kid have? I know a lot of parents, either because of their work schedule or just a habit, have a hard time getting their kids to bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can we can talk about sleep hygiene for a while here, but just think it's pretty important because a lot of kids are put to bed so late. If you could talk a little bit about why sleep is so important and 
and establishing. Yeah, so sleep is sleep is important for so many reasons. But the first thing I'll say is, if you have a two year old, the recommended amount of sleep is anywhere between ten to twelve hours, with a one to three hour nap. So you are really, and I like the higher hours, you know, closer to 12 hours, especially at two. So at three and four and every year, you start to lose a little time. And so if you can establish those habits where your kid is a solid 12-hour sleeper when they're in their twos, that's really great. And definitely the transition between naps and no naps is A, it's tough, and B, it's influenced by whether you're in the car, right? So many people will say, if we're home, they won't nap. But if I'm in the car, they're out in two minutes, in the, mm-hmm. you know, in the car. So I always encourage people, unless there's a really specific reason, don't get into that bad habit with your two-year-old of driving them around at around 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, because you become a slave to it, they become a slave to it. And now it's the only way they can sleep. Some of the most important reasons why this amount of sleep is so important is the first of it is cognitive development. It's really the, the time where the brain can rejuvenate itself and the brain is able to learn better and listen better and just absorb the world and everything it's learning better when it's got its rest. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is we have an obesity epidemic in our country. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's linked, one of the factors that are linked to obesity is lack of sleep. And so it's not just because you're awake for more hours and so therefore you might be eating more hours, but also just the way the body is metabolizing during sleep allows for that digestion. But when you don't get enough of it, you are more prone to obesity. Um, And when you're so little in toddlers and young children, those certain percentage points or those certain pounds are the difference sometimes between healthy and unhealthy weights. So those are two really important reasons for parents to keep in mind. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm I'm actually about to to take a road trip with my three month old, we're going into a different time zone. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely going to take your tip and I'm going to act as if we hadn't changed time zones at all. Um, because I know last time we went to DC, she couldn't fall asleep all night. And I was sitting there wondering, why is this? Why? Mm-hmm. It's 5 a.m. Why mm-hmm. aren't you asleep? You normally go to bed at 11. But it, it, because for her, it was already 1 a.m. That makes so much sense. So thank you for that tip. That's why I love this podcast. It's a new tip <laughs> all the time. And as we've talked about, children's brains are wired. So our next sketch is actually going to usher us from that age of the toddler all the way to the teenager. It's a sketch we call, But I Always Get This. What's up? Did you find everything you were looking for tonight? We did. Thank you. Do you want to save more with a Save More Rewards card? Hmm? Uh, no. Thank you. You sure we got everything you needed? Yeah, we're good. Notebooks, folders, everything on the list? I'd rather have too much than have you start school unprepared. Nah, it's fine. Underwear, socks, new t-shirts, this is all you need? Jeez, I told you, we bought enough stuff, calm down. Okay, okay. Wait, 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 what's that? Detonator 4 League of Detonators? I think it's a play on the League of Nations, but it doesn't really work, does it? A video game? We don't want that, don't bring it up. Must have been a mistake. No, it wasn't. I put it in there. You didn't ask me. I always get a game here. Oh, well, not this time. What? You said we had plenty of money. I did not. We don't need it. Okay. Yes, you did. We'll take it. Okay. You said you'd buy me anything I needed. School stuff for school. This is a distraction from school. You know what? Just give me that game. My, my son will put it back. 
Okay. Nuh-uh. I always get a game here. Look at these graphics. You're telling me you don't want to play this game? They look sick. If you like those, you should check out Zombie Beach Party. Seth, put the game back. Maggie, we brought our own bags. We're ready to check out. Thanks. Not without this. Are you deaf? Are you? Seth, clean that up right now. You clean it up. Um, I think I have to, like, ask you to leave. I'm so sorry about that. Can you please just charge me? My, my son will clean it up. I broke some stuff. We'll pay for it. I'm sorry. We just need this. First day of school on Monday. You know how it gets. All right. Give me a minute. So did you want detonator for or not? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So, it, wow. Uh, in that sketch, we had 14-year-old Seth and his mom. They were shopping at, like, a giant store, sort of a place for school supplies. And at the cash register, Seth was expecting, and he started demanding. And as he started to demand, I saw the moms in this room start to shake their heads. Uh-uh. No, no, oh, no. no, he didn't. Started demanding this video <laughs> game because he always gets a video game when he gets to shop at this store. And then when his mom says no, he actually he just chucks it. Right, he just chucks it at like the sunglass display mm-hmm. case, and then the mom has to pay for it anyway. And then he storms off, so disrespectful. Dr. Alicia, what's going through his mind? And how did the mom, perhaps inadvertently, help set these expectations up in his mind? Well, he thinks he deserves it, and he knows that if he... <laughs> because he's such a good kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially he, that. Yeah, and he knows very well that he umps the game. He's going to get his way. Mm. Why? Mm. Because it's happened before. Mm-hmm. I think inadvertently we do that when we create that kind of a situation where we go to the store and we give in, you know, just that one time. You think, I just bought the one candy bar. What's mm-hmm. the big deal? Yeah. Next time you go to the grocery store, they have that expectation. Well, mm. they gave me a candy bar once. So therefore, now I'm going to ask for it. And Especially that first time, you thought, are so short. Like yeah. they, they're only having yeah. so a limited amount of experiences yeah. to judge on. Yeah. yeah, and so you give in to that one time, and then the next time you go to the store, it's like, oh, you know, I want that little toy, and you just kind of give in, and mm-hmm. then you habituate, and they get used to. You go to the store; they've got a picture in their mind that the store means that when I want something, you, you the parent gives in, and so then the next time that for some reason you have a boundary and mm-hmm. you say no. That's not the script that they have in their mind. The yeah. script was, you know, you give in and you give what, you know, I need. And so then that you've got that temper tantrum. In the short term, it seems like it's a good idea. And as parents, what we need to do is think about what's the long-term mm-hmm. uh, principle we want to teach our kids. Do we want to teach them self-control? Do we want to teach them that they need to earn, that these things are costly, and that they need to perhaps work for them? Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to have a little bit of a bigger foresight in terms of what we're trying to teach our kids and see these little micro moments as mm-hmm. opportunities to teach them things and then know that if you create that kind of a habit, then they're gonna, they just get used to it. And be careful mm-hmm. about always making the easy easier choice. Yeah. yeah. Think long yes. term. That makes so yeah. much sense. Yeah. It will definitely come back to you. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Dr. Cheryl, if, if you've already done this with your children, like we saw this 14-year-old, which I still can't get over how disrespectful oh, and rude he was to his mom. Yeah, no. That wouldn't have happened. Beto is no. not having that. Oh, and I have a 13-year-old <laughs> and she knows she does not speak to mom that way. Um, but how do you change, how do you break the cycle? How do you change the expectations once they're already teenagers or, or somewhere around that age? So I think this is a great topic to talk about because it's almost more of a parenting issue than it is anything else. So I think at that point, you know, when you have a spoiled child or a child who expects something every time they go to Target or Costco, you know, we have to take responsibility as parents that we created that 
And then at some point we figure we go, wow, that really is out of control. And now I need to recreate something else. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a teenage brain, we're all pretty aware that the prefrontal cortex and the frontal cortex for them is not fully developed. And so a teenage brain doesn't have a ton of empathy, usually is poor decisions. They're risk takers. They're impulsive. Knowing that your teenager, although their physical body looks like it should be able to handle so much more than emotionally their brain really can, we have to take a step back and remember that. Their bodies are big, but the capabilities in their brain, particularly the frontal part of their brain, is not fully developed. So something that a parent could do, given that information, is to just sort of explain things. Be proactive about this. We're going to go to Target, and we're there to get school supplies. Mm -hmm. We are not there to get anything other than school supplies. We're not getting clothes. We're not getting candy. We're not getting whatever. Let them have that feeling, that impulsive feeling, even if they want to kind of say something rude or roll their eyes. Let them have that before they're in the situation. And then expect that when the situation is happening, they're still going to ask for it. Mm -hmm. And then this time you can remind them, do you remember that we talked about this part? I know this is really hard. Model empathy for them. I know this is really hard for you because you feel like you want that candy bar. And they'll say things like, what's $1? Like, why can't, you know, like, what's the big deal? Or I have my own money. I'll pay Mm -hmm. for it, you know. And so really trying to be proactive about it and yourself trying to have empathy toward the fact that they are just impulsive beings. They want what they want. They're like, you know, emotionally almost toddler brains in a big body. Mm -hmm. And so we have to treat them as such. Hmm. Can I ask you about something you Mm -hmm. said right in there, doctor? What hits me is if they say, I have a dollar, I'd like to spend the dollar on such, is that something to sort of defend against only because you've explained to them in the parking lot before you went in, we're only buying school supplies? But I can imagine if my daughter has saved up a dollar and she wants to spend it, even if it's impulsive, that that would be a good exercise to allow her to spend it and then see how that feels afterwards. Yeah, so you just said a key thing in your question, which is she saved it up and she had a plan. That's not impulsive, mm-hmm. right? That's planning. Okay. That's actual planning. So if you're at home and you say to your daughter, hey, we're, we're going to go to Costco and we're only there to get school supplies and we're not there to get the X, Y, and Z that you normally like to get. And she says to you, but dad, look, you know, I have this dollar. Grandma gave it to me yesterday and said I could spend it on anything I want. I would like to get a candy bar. In that moment, you make the decision. Mm -hmm. Is that an appropriate, because it's not impulsive now. It's actually, that would be pretty thoughtful, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So then at that point, you can say, sure, you can buy it. However, you can't eat it until after dinner. You'll like also go back to why are you imposing the limit on whatever you perceive Mm -hmm. to be their impulse? Mm -hmm. Why are you imposing? Is it, you know what I mean? So in that situation that you just gave me, I think that's slightly different because it actually shows some planning and some executive decision making Mm -hmm. versus they're standing online and there are so many temptations around them. And they just can't tolerate that they yeah. can't act on the impulse to get that temptation. Yeah, and I will just highlight that diet advice is so, it works so well. I can't begin to tell you the amount of times when I have taken the time to be proactive and prep our kids for mm-hmm. the behavior I want to see them, and it works. And when I don't do it, I yep. get the opposite, and I go, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know it what? Just, it's it, so helpful. It is helpful. Well, I have three kids. It usually helps with my other two kids. With the older ones, I have a younger one that's five years old. And she will do what you just said, Dr. Sigler. I will let her know. We're not buying anything, but this is what we came to buy. Da-da-da. 
It happened to me uh, not too long ago. We went to Walmart. I gave her the, the speech I always give her before we go to the store. Okay, mommy, you okay. But then once we are at the cash register, they have little toys there. That's how they and get she you. wanted a little Disney thing that they had there. And I said, of we course. talked about this. <laughs> We're not going to get it. And of course, she threw a tantrum. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I ignored it. I said, okay, we talked about this. We're not going to get it. We're here to get milk or whatever it was that we were going to get. And I just, I continued and I paid. Well, she went and sat down by almost at the exit of the store. She went and sat down. They had these plants there. She went and sat by the plants. I said, what are you doing? Are you going to stay there? I'm going home. She's like, I want this. Da, da, da. So, of course, I waited for like a couple, of, maybe a minute. And I said, you know what? I need to go. Are you going to come with me or are you going to stay? <laughs> and she's she's looking at me. I want it. So I walked out and not out all oh, the way wow. out. You're but my I hero, just, Vera. No, I don't, know about that. I don't know if I did the right <laughs> thing. But I was like, I cannot allow this five-year-old. To dictate what I'm gonna do. No, no and, and you I can't and reward I left, the tantrum. She came back. Mommy, don't leave me. I don't know if that was wrong. It's Maybe good. I was. I don't know. But I, I and I had already told her, yeah. but she still tried. Yeah. You know, one thing, because I have a five year old mm-hmm. and they're just emotions are just all over and they oh my gosh, and that whole crazy emotional thing, it just brings out the worst in you. Yes. It's a mom, you just mm-hmm. get activated. But one thing that I've been trying with them is teaching her coping skills a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when she gets that, I go count to ten. And she's all mad. One, two, three. <laughs> and crying in the middle of it. And then by 10, I'm like, okay, now imagine your brother has a funny hat. You know, try to distract her. And then she's fine. And then we walk out and then I debrief. So I don't know if that. That could work. I, mean, I should try it next just time. Just next time, you yeah. know, the, the temper tantrum gets crazy. All right. Wow. All of that is just such fantastic advice. I know as a parent, I don't often think about my daughter's brain and how she's making decisions even at such a young age because of the chemistry that's at play there. Now, our last sketch actually looks at a parent that was thinking about the chemistry of their child's brain and how that has sort of worked to their advantage. This sketch is called Great Play. Hey, Warren, buddy, amazing game. Thanks, Mom. That line drive you hit in the bottom of the seventh? (laughs) Did you hear my screaming? I think the whole team did. Oh, man, it was just so... Amazing job, really, Warren. I've never seen you play like that. You're fielding, you're hitting, you're spitting. (laughs) You look like a real ball player out there. Yeah, well, we practice enough. I know, yeah, right, but that's practice. To play like that in a game is just this whole other thing, you know? How do you feel? Pretty tired. Sure, sure. Anything you notice you need to work on? Not to bug you, but, you know, while it's still fresh in your mind. Oh, well, my arm is sore, but from thrown into the infield by the fifth or sixth inning. Ah, that's just strength training. Your form was good. Anything else? Well, I caught myself picking my head up at bat. Well, just once or twice. Didn't even see it. Okay. You see anything? No, sir. Like I said, you looked great. Ready for some ice cream? Eh, I'm fine without it. What? We always get ice cream after a win. Yeah, well, we don't have to get ice cream after we win, do we? You kidding? We can do whatever we want. You want to go home? Yeah, I want to tell that about that dive I made. Oh man, that was insane. Thanks! <laughs> Car's this way, let's go. All right, so in that sketch, Great Play, we have this very invested, very proud mother, Marge, and her 11-year-old son, Warren. Warren actually wasn't interested in the usual ice cream treat that he gets for playing well and mm-hmm. for winning. Now, it's kind of funny, Our la- the sketch we heard before this one was called But I Always Get This, and I feel like the mom's 
thought running through her head was, but I always give you this. I always give you ice cream. But in this instance, he wasn't interested in the reward for playing well. Mm -hmm. Why did we see this reaction, Dr. Alicia? And does it have to do with perhaps his age? You know, this get reminded me of an article I was recently reading, talking about some published research about motivation. I was talking about intrinsic motivation versus mm-hmm. external motivation and how automatically we think about that we are motivated by the candy bar, by the ice cream, by the money. So because of that, that's what we tend to do. And even my husband and I the other day were talking about how much candy is given to kids. Like you go to the dentist and they give them that. You go for any liberal, you know, they're in this game. And because they swam a lap, they get Mm -hmm. another candy bar. And so it's constantly throwing out them. And, you know, kids love it. But somehow we're almost wired as a society to assume that that motivating Mm that the candy bar, you know, the ice cream is going to be even more motivating than the what's inside. And we need to talk a little bit more about what are the motivating agents that Mm -hmm. are more intrinsic, Mm -hmm. that those are things that we're passionate about, that give us meaning. We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my, my mind went in terms of how important it is for us as parents to think about other things that are motivating that are more intrinsic. Mm-hmm. I don't know it, if that was it, the intent of the no, scene, but that's where it, it went. <laughs> it, it makes It's really interesting to be on here talking about a scene yeah. that I wrote, but certainly I was trying to show that the mom had watched the game, but she watched from a distance. She wasn't talking to the coaches, but afterwards she does have this habit going over how her son played during the game to really make him think about it. And mm-hmm. I was trying to show in the scene that she had done it enough and made it enough of a habit that he was able to think back yeah. over in the things he was doing in the moment, but think about them logically and analytically. And yeah. maybe that serves him as an intrinsic motivator, as you were talking mm-hmm. about. We can see that he does it more for the love of the game and not for mm. whatever the incentive will that's be the hope. for winning. So that that's pretty cool. Now, nowadays, Dr. Shell, parents try to provide kids with more positive opportunities, like we saw here with sports or music or other activities, the arts. Now, the skills learned seem to help kids with discipline, teamwork, and even character development. Is it safe to assume that? Well, I have two things to say about mm-hmm. it. The first piece is that, in general, the advice is strongly given against parents to give kids that kind of feedback, particularly after athletics. Mm-hmm. There's such a negative correlation between a child playing a game and then their parents doing the play-by-play with them afterwards. So really, the research literature and even anecdotal evidence just says that kids don't like that because we tend to, that example is really great, but we tend to sort of say, yeah, like this one thing was good, but man, you got to keep working on, you know, like fielding, you got to keep working on blah, blah, blah. So we tend to, and then we tend to say something negative and kids and adults do this as well, but kids only hear the negative. So even if you said five great things that he did in the game, and then one thing that you thought they could have done better, man, that strikeout, he really got you, you know, That's all they remember. So that's one thing, like it would be unusual for a situation to go the way it did in in this skit. But the other piece is really that, you know, attunement has to play a role in this. So if, you know, a child is continuing to change and develop, one day they come home and Johnny's no longer their best friend who was their best friend for 10 years. That's pretty typical. So they're changing. You got to change with them. So if they always got ice cream, if you always do something in particular to celebrate and one day your kid's like, yeah, no, mom, like, I don't want to do that. I just want to go home. 
you've really got to follow their lead. It doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong or they've really got something on their mind. Maybe that's true, but also maybe they're just outgrowing it. Maybe they'd rather have a quiet ride home. Maybe they want to talk about how they felt. You know, there's so many factors. So one thing I will say is that when we're sitting back, we know that kids are constantly developing. But I think when you're in it, it's really hard sometimes to be like, oh, it's happening right now. Like, we're in it. Like, no longer does my son want to do ice cream anymore after games. Mm-hmm. He, like, just wants to go home and probably go on a device or something. You know, he wants to go home and talk about it with his friends, whatever it is. So just keeping that in mind. Sure, and that sounds perfectly mm-hmm. healthy. So we have to start to wrap this episode up. But, Dr. Cheryl, you've been such a fantastic guest, and I really just I want to learn more about what you do. And I want to know, where can I actually find more about you and the articles you've written in your blogs? Yes, you can find out more about lots of what I do on drcherylziegler.com. And I also have a book that is coming out in February called Mommy Burnout. And so I'm really interested in the landscape right now of burnout and motherhood and have a website for that, mommyburnout.com. So There are lots of places you can see articles that I've contributed to and lots of local media and national media as well. And I was just really thrilled to be here and be a part of this. That sounds awesome. I think we can talk to you again in February or or March. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, talk about mommy burnout. Mommy burnout, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for being with us today. Dr. Alicia, how can we help or what's your takeaway today for parents to keep it real? Yeah, I think we learned lots of good tips. I think we talked about habits and how important are habits. And then also really thinking about those routines in terms of developmentally appropriate, whether it's the routines or even the way we appreciate our kids, that we need to really be leaning in towards them mm-hmm. and listening. And then sometimes we need to change that according to their developmental stage. And, you know, by the way, it reminds me we've put together a great guide of the developmental milestones mm-hmm. of kids depending on their age group. And that could be downloaded in our app. And I think that that could be a really useful resource for parents that I would encourage them to check that out. Most definitely. Absolutely. And this has been The Struggle Is Real. Go ahead, do yourselves a favor, do us a favor, download this podcast through iTunes and share it with your friends and with your parent friends and just anyone who's a parent that could use this advice. That's right. You can also find additional resources on familybridgesusa.org. Remember to use the hashtag The Struggle Is Real or hashtag TSIR to find us through social media. Thanks for tuning in. We're Veronica Avila, Dr. Alicia Laos, and Freddie Beckley. Till Til next, next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.